0: Today we've got Jeff Zamorin with us, who is a military officer and naval engineer with the U.S. Coast Guard. And I've never met anybody who was involved with the Coast Guard, but I've seen their boats all the time and their helicopters. Every time we go to the beach, the the, the helicopter kind of goes back and forth patrolling. I'm a huge fan. They do they do some really uh, important lifeguarding and and beyond, but. Like I said, I've always kind of felt like the U.S. Coast Guard was one of the few institutions in the government that I felt like I, with no reservation, was like, "Oh, I love it! I love what they do. Give them every dollar they ask for." So, and Jeff matches up with my, you know, preconceived ideas of what these guys are like—professional and just cool. Now, maybe, maybe I should have put this already, but as an active uh, Coast Guard officer. All of the views that that Jeff espouses in this interview are his and not to be construed as the views of the Coast Guard. So understand that. And also understand that a lot of this conversation might be the most useful for someone thinking about career. Cause that's I couldn't I can't help it. That's the part of, of the Coast Guard that's interesting to me. Is as you know, he's been in it 20 years now or 18. And I learned later in the interview we're probably Almost exactly the same age. We both graduated high school the year two thousand. He went this route. I went this other kind of bumbling and weird route that's landed me here doing a um, this podcast and you know essential craftsman, which is great. I, I don't want to um, insult what I'm doing. It's just very different from uh, the career that Jeff has gone down, and he's seen some neat stuff. He as a naval engineer. He we were talking about ships and how they're run and operated and. Maintained and everything that goes into those. We're talking about just the general operations of, of these vessels at sea, what the Coast Guard is doing. I mentioned, you know, search and rescue type of operations because that's what I see these helicopters doing, but they do a lot of other things. And he covers that. And uh, like I said, a lot of it I think would be the most helpful for someone thinking about career, maybe someone who identifies the military as like uh, a good route. And if so, um, you're going to get some good information about what the Coast Guard aspect or the Coast Guard Department of our military um, offers. So with no further ado, here's Jeff. He's a member of the Essential Craftsman Academy. He spoke up in one of our shop talks. No, he didn't even speak up. He just made a comment about engineering and project management and some of the things he was doing that was so interesting because it came from this perspective of of, you know, of ocean-going vessels and someone in the Coast Guard. And so I asked him a few questions at then, but I sent him an email afterwards like, oh, man, Jeff, I'd really like to hear more about this, and I'm glad I did. Great guy with no further ado, Jeff Zamorin, uh, a naval engineer, a military officer of the U.S. Coast Guard. Let's do it. First off, thank you for taking time out of your day and joining us and kind of sitting down like this. Um, you said this is your first time, you've listened to a lot of podcasts, but this is your first time doing one. Is that right?
1: Yeah. First time participating uh, you What's know, a long time listener, first time caller kind of thing. So I'm uh, looking <laughs> forward to, to being here and, and talking about the, you know, the Coast Guard and naval engineering, project management, uh, shipboard engineering, and, and kind of life at sea and operations and stuff. Uh, in the Coast Guard. So yeah, glad to be here, Nate. Thanks.
0: Well, first off, um, I want to hear how you got into it with the Coast Guard. And I'll give you a background. I, I'm i from Oregon. So every time we're at the coast, I see the Coast Guard vessels and the boats. And I always just really appreciated that there, it's like lifeguards. I, I always really appreciated that first and foremost. And secondly, I always, even as a young kid, I was really pragmatic and understood, like, you know, making good decisions. And the military always made a ton of sense to me in terms of like here's a good career and training and so many reasons but I just never could get over the fact that I might have to like attack somebody in some other country that I didn't know or like you know get shot at myself and that was another reason why as a pretty small kid I thought the Coast Guard that is the place for me. I didn't go that route but I'm a fan what happened for you that, that kind of led you to the Coast Guard? I'm sure it's, you know, may, maybe it wasn't something from a young age, but how is it that you ended up with the Coast Guard?
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of an interesting story. I, I grew up in, in Utah, Park City, Utah area. My dad was a pilot with Delta for, uh, for many years since retired. Um, and always just kind of had an interest in, you know, the military, I, I loved you know, planes and boats and the typical stuff that probably any, you know, boy or person growing up would, uh, and, uh, and had a fascination for, but was, you know, in Utah, not very, uh, exposed to that stuff and, uh, wanted to join the military service academy. Uh, when I was in high school, probably my sophomore junior year, the idea started sort of to germinate in my mind a bit and started researching it a bit more. And, uh, you know, my SAT and ACT scores were, were not the best. I'll be honest with you. They were pretty pretty poor, so I didn't necessarily <laughs> compete very well for some of the service academies. But then a recruiter came in and, and basically uh, Captain Bob Beard, I think his name was, and uh, mentioned the Merchant Marine Academy to me, which is a, a, one of the five federal service academies out of Kings Point, New York. And their mission was basically to train mm-hmm. Um, merchant marine officers for wartime. So they, they, you know, they were started in, you know, World War II era. And basically it was a logistical problem to say, look, we need people to, to crew these ships, to send supplies and goods and services and stuff, you know, from America across the ocean to Europe to support, you know, our troops that are fighting overseas. Um, so we developed a school that, the, you know, the Maritime Administration Department of Transportation developed a school to train these officers and folks to, to crew the the ship. So I, I got turned on to the Merchant Marine Academy at a King's point and they're, you know, a phenomenal education school. But the cool thing about the Merchant Marine Academy versus some of the other service academies is I could literally go into any branch of the service I wanted to upon graduation. Um, so I was like, not knowing a hundred percent what I wanted to do. Oh. I liked the flexibility of knowing that, Hey, I have some more time to kind of figure out what I'm doing while still getting a paid for education by the government, getting some real great on-hands experience and training. Uh, Part of the curriculum is a one full year out at sea, working on an actual merchant ship as a cadet in the engine room and doing, uh, you know, working hands-on one-on-one with the the crewed and licensed engineers. And then upon graduation, you can decide where you want to go. And I didn't know much about the Coast Guard. Honestly, going into it, I was kind of more, you know, looking at Navy or Air Force kind of stuff. But the Coast Guard mission really kind of spoke to me a bit um it's very much a uh, a bias for action type of organization where you know a lot of the other services and stuff as as they should it's a lot of training a lot of preparation a lot of uh, preparing for the eventual contingency of you know war or humanitarian service or whatever it is the coast Guard is very much a you know always in doing the mission very close to the to the homeland so to speak and uh, and on point doing that yeah. stuff from, from day one so i, I like that and I like being an engineer, <laughs> you know, at, at school, I really love sailing yeah. and ships. So, uh, so that combination wow. led me to the Coast Guard right out of graduation. And I went to my first ship, which is the now decommissioned Coast Guard Cutter Acushnet up out of Ketchikan, Alaska, as a, as a student engineer in the Coast Guard, a newly minted ensign and uh, was an engineer, uh, sort of a division officer, as they call it on the coast guard cutter Cushion up in Ketchikan Alaska and that's how I that's how I got into the coast guard there that, that's kind of it in a nutshell
0: um, w- one quick question what this term merchant like the for the academy and then you said on merchant vessels what what does that refer to does that mean like not a battleship or what is that what is that referring to just like hauling goods and uh, materials or something or what what does that mean i've heard yeah, that my I whole think- life and never really got it
1: no, it's a great. People would say merchant marine. Okay. Oh, you guys are in the marines. It's like no, no, not quite. Uh, yeah, merchant yeah, is too. basically <laughs> basically that. It's merchant goods, services, uh, not really services, but but goods and products. Um, so container ships, oil oil tankers, um, bulk ships, which basically carry grain or iron ore or scrap metal and stuff, car ships. You know, basically any types of goods or products that need to be shipped from point A to point B is covered under the merchant umbrella. Of, of ships. So you see ships going up and down the coast of Oregon or on the east coast here where I am. All that stuff coming from mm-hmm. overseas or wherever is packaged up on a container vessel or oil tanker or whatever it is and ships. So that's the, that's yes. the merchant stuff. That's the umbrella of what the, the merchant covers, goods, products, et cetera. Got it.
0: Um, and then what would this vessel in Alaska, what was the, the mission, so to speak, of that assignment and that ship that you were on there?
1: Yeah, so it, it, it was a, a medium endurance cutter. So the Coast Guard calls our ships cutters dating back to the revenue cutter service in the you know, 1700s when we were first initiated basically to say Alexander Hamilton said, hey, look, you know, we got goods and services coming into our ports as a revenue stream for this new nation of ours. It would be great if maybe we could enforce some of these laws and treaties and some of the, uh, some of the, the revenue basically to ensure that those fair trade you know of the merchants coming in uh so the cutter the Mm -hmm. cutter revenue service was started to kind of to do that and we the coast guard the modern Coast guard are a a, a amalgamation of that service plus a few other services the life life saving service and a few others uh combined together but that's where the Mm -hmm. term cutter comes so we call our ships cutters and the mission of that we have 11 statutory missions everything from you know saving lives at sea to law enforcement to port waterway security but mainly up in Alaska, the big thing that we, that the Coast Guard does up there, that we did up there, was protecting the living marine resource. So, so basically fish, essentially, and the huge economic impact that has on the nation. I mean, all up through Alaska, the Bering Sea and whatnot, protecting our national sovereignty to that sort of maritime demarcation line, which is out there about 200 miles um, outside of the U.S. sort of territorial, uh, the border, the land borders. And we patrol that and make sure that, you know, the, the nations that have rights to fish in those waters are fishing in those proper areas and not depleting the marine resource. So we'll go out there as sort of the, the water police or the federal on, on water presence to mm-hmm. make sure folks aren't overfishing, aren't, aren't catching the wrong species, um, you, know, you know, protected species like, you know, dolphins or sharks or, um, you know, sea turtles mm-hmm. or whatnot and properly accounting for what they're catching, you know, the actual stuff that they're allowed to catch, whether it's, uh, you know, mm. cod, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, so that's what we did a lot out there, a lot of fishery boardings, making sure they're safe in compliance with maritime law, um, you know, safety of life at sea stuff. So everything's, you know, good to go. And they're meeting the federal regulations to fish appropriately for that renewable resource with the with the fish.
0: Well, wow, that's really cool, you know, fishing, um, more than a lot of other trades, you, you really can, you're out there out of sight. In other words, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, well, if no one was patrolling guys could get away with murder (laughs) and taking fish and resources and, and really kind of, like you said, depleting. So that makes a lot of sense considering. Yeah. I mean, I know fishing's huge just in Alaska, but you said it probably, it probably trickles down to the whole country where it it would impact everybody it's, if that it's if that everywhere industry yeah, shut down it's,
1: it's a huge i mean it's a huge just protein source for um you know yeah. the world um so it's a it's a major resource and uh, it, it's everywhere so we we provide that and then of course obviously we are a you know what an on-scene search and rescue asset that can be used if a mariner's right. in distress and can serve it as op as an operating platform uh you know for that to kind of help mariners in, in distress and that's kind of the cool thing i liked about the seagoing services as well as regardless of who you are where you come from what you do and even if you're you know blatantly breaking the law or whatever if you're in distress or a mariners in distress we will help you you know you will be saved because that is priority number one and uh i kind of like wow. that, that humanity was sort of a neat aspect of the coast guard as well that you know fundamentally at at its core we're we're there to help people save people and ensure safety of life at sea and uh and then obviously make sure everybody's playing on a fair on a fair field as well yeah
0: yeah i can't even i can't imagine the feeling of you know on the sea and having a a situation and (laughs) especially if you were far from home or maybe from another country you know like some long traveling you know how i can't imagine the uh the impact, you know, having a, a coast guard vessel pull up would have on an, on a vessel in distress is that, I don't really understand how international waters and all that work. Is there, is that area up there? Like only U S fishermen can fish that, or anybody can come in there as long as they follow the, you know, have a fishing license, so to speak, or how, how does that work with what you said within 200 miles or whatever of the shores? Yes.
1: So it it depends on what you're doing. Like a you know, if you and I were to go out as just you know regular recreational fishing folks, even that far out, like sure, like it, it's fine because we're not fishing from a from a commercial perspective. But from a commercial like mm-hmm. industry perspective, the folks that are actually catching like I mean massive amounts of fish, yeah, yeah, there are sovereign boundaries there that regulate you know you know Russia, China, et cetera, fish on this side of the waters. These are your sort of economic zones, they call them economic exclusion zones, EZs. And then there are certain areas that are United States economic exclusion zones. And those are intended to manage, you know, each country has different priorities on how to manage that um, resource. And each country has come to international agreements and stuff that says, Hey, you know, we can fish here and we manage our resources accordingly. And you guys can fish over here and you manage your resources, how you see fit the fish obviously don't know the boundaries. They don't, you know, they don't care. They're going to wherever right. the food is and life is, but the idea is through managing yeah. that that ecosystem of, uh, appropriately and managing it correctly, you will be able to sustain it just as you would a forest or anything else that you want to have yeah. keep producing
0: on and on and on. So let's talk about, um, well, I guess first of all, last thing on the Coast Guard, you, you got there by going through this academy, which is a, you know, education like it's like college more or less from what I understand but also people can just sign up like let's say someone's 17 and finishing high school and they don't know what to do they you can also just kind of sign up like basic training like a new recruit type of uh and make a career out of it is that right or does everybody kind of go through this academy the way you did first
1: no no there's that's the beautiful thing is there's many ways to, to come in so I went the academy which you're right is, is is it's a four-year college i get a you know a bachelor's of science degree out of it and same thing if you were to go to the coast guard academy or naval academy or whatever those are all you know your degree path mm-hmm. and that's a path towards being an officer in the coast guard so that's the path i chose but there's also you know the non commissioned officer path or the enlisted path that you'd say and yeah right out of high school or not even out of high school a lot of folks coming in or they have master's degrees and bachelor's degrees and they're licensed you know Uh, you know, nurses or whatever, all kinds of stuff. And they decide to come in because they want to serve. And then you'll come in, you'll go to, you know, boot camp, you'll come in as a, as a E1, which is, you know, the, the, the the lowest kind of rank there. And then you'll work your way up. And it's, 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 it's very much geared towards um, providing you a a specialty too. So once you're in and you kind of do sort of like a um, internship period or an indoctrination period for a few years, you will then determine what path you want to go down as an, as an enlisted member of the service. And we have specialties all over the place from engineering. We have machinery technicians, electricians, electronics, techs, operational specialists, which Mm -hmm. do a lot of uh, radio type stuff. Um, We have bosun's mates who, to do, you know, uh, uh, deck type work on, on vessels and we'll host those whole host of others, including uh, aviation, you know, uh, uh, flight mechanics, um, aviation survival trainer swimmers uh, marine science technicians which inspect merchant ships in dry dock and ensure that they're you know being done correctly um, so all that schooling and stuff will be provided by the coast guard to you and you can have a, a full career um, doing that path and then also the cool thing is that's a very fruitful and, and and solid career path to go all the way up to the highest ranks on the enlisted side but for those folks that are that choose that path, there is also opportunities for them to branch into the officer field at some point in their career if they want to as well and become uh, what they call warrant officers. And then there's also a path to become a warrant officer to a fully commissioned officer also. So there's many opportunities to come in. Um, some folks, too, will even come into the Coast Guard. We call them direct commission officers, where maybe, say, they have a... Um, a degree in say electrical engineering or they have a degree in you know some kind of trade and the coast guard will say you know what we want that talent in our service you know you've already done the schooling you've already done the certifications you've already done the trades we will direct commission you into the coast guard to do specific jobs and then that's another path to come in you can kind of um leapfrog a little bit above and come in that's actually how i technically came in from the merchant marine academy as i said hey we like the schooling. We like what you guys got. We will direct commission you into the Coast Guard, even though you didn't come through, say, the Coast Guard Academy or something. So there's a lot of different ways to come in.
0: Can you describe the different types of engineering that are happening in the Coast Guard? And I know there's probably a lot, but things like you know ship or vessel engineering is something that the common person doesn't hear or think much about. So what are some of these aspects of engineering and, and which ones are you... Um, involved with and, and especially like with the ships, you know what I, I'd really be interested in what, what that looks like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was luckily enough to be the, the chief engineer on the coast guard cutter Berthoff a few years back. Um, uh, so that's one of our newest national security cutters. And so I'll speak, you know, within my domain that I'm most comfortable with. So in the engineering rates, you know, Naval engineering rates for the coast guard, we have three primary rates, There, um, machinery technicians. So those are folks that are really, you know, like mechanics essentially working on, uh, on engines and stuff. And those are kind of split into two different paths within that rate, um, auxiliary machinery technicians, and then uh, main propulsion machinery technicians. And this is specific to uh, shipboard uh, engineering division. So the main propulsion machinery technicians are as the name implies, dealing with the big diesel engines, gas turbines, etc., that actually propel the ship, turn the propellers, turn the screws, make us go forward. And then the auxiliary uh, machinery technicians deal with all the auxiliary systems, um, air conditioning systems, fuel oil, purifiers, um, you know, water pumps, reverse osmosis uh, systems for uh, making uh, potable water and, uh, and all the stuff in between. So all those auxiliary, what we call like hotel services um, to support, Mm -hmm. support the ship. Then we have electricians, we call them electricians mates. And it's as the name implies, anything electrical, And i I tell you nate these days i mean with modern technology and and ships there is nothing on these modern cutters and boats that is not electrical (laughs) i mean everything is and we you know anything we would touch was electrical in nature Um, so they have a i relied on those folks tremendously they were a huge part of doing anything on the ship and a a very skilled trade as well um as it kind of is in you know the, the kind of commercial trades for residential and commercial stuff too on land Um, And then last is damage control technicians. And they're kind of like a, I call like a Swiss army knife of of everything else in the engineering bucket. So they do everything from dealing with, um, you know, wastewater treatment stuff to welding, brazing, repairs. Um, And then most importantly on a ship is all the shipboard damage control. So the firefighting response, flooding response, if there's damage, patching and plugging and making sure the ship is ready to fight. And also uh, handle any damage that happens if, if we're underway. Anything from running into ground or, or actually being attacked or something—they're the ones that are in charge of that. Um, and then on land, those damage control technicians also do a lot of facilities and civil type stuff. Anything from you know framing uh, houses, drywall repair, construction, um, uh, sewage, wastewater. Like I said, roof replacements and, and anything in between from a shoreside civil perspective. So damage control men really do, I mean, a, a ton of stuff. It's kind of like I said, the Swiss army knife, the, the, the basket yeah. of everything that's left over that's not specifically elect- electrical in nature or, or mechanical or machinery in nature. And that, that sort of rounds out the, the, uh, the enlisted trades. And then of course you have the officers on the ship, myself as a chief engineer in charge of the entire engineering department, which on the national security cutter is, I think a little bit over 30 or so folks. Um, and then, um, uh, you have a, a couple, uh, officers beneath you that are division officers. You have a very seasoned uh, Marine, um, a main propulsion assistant. It's usually a warrant officer that's in charge of all the propulsion stuff. And then you have, uh, chief petty officers and stuff that are in charge of the different divisions and some junior officers that are also in charge of the divisions. And they help manage things like, you know, fueling evolutions and, uh, and, and whatnot. And then obviously just the leadership of those different departments on the ship.
0: Um, I'm having a breakthrough here in my, my thinking about this word engineer, because for whatever reason, I hear that word and I think of a computer and calculating like span ratings and drainage flows and like soil compaction in CAD or something. That's just like where my mind goes. But everything you just described is s- extremely skilled trade skills and knowledge application and hands-on you know repairs and uh probably assembly and and just everything you didn't even mention computers once in terms of like you know at being at a desk but i don't know what happened to me where i have that term engineer associated with you know desk work but that all sounds really fun and and interesting and you know working on a boat like you said whether it's the plumbing or the Electrical or whatever—I'm sure there's some pretty neat welding and riveting and stuff. Is probably your engineers, in other words, who are who are trained and who are making all that happen. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I, I like to think of it. There's there's definitely technical engineers, and those are your licensed professional engineers, and those folks that are doing, like you yeah. said, the, the dry dock calculations, the span calculations, all that soil compaction and stuff. And that is engineering is a very broad umbrella you have project management engineers yeah. and, all kinds of and then, you know, what I do on ships or did on ships is very much, you know, practical operational engineering type stuff. So we are, you know, running yeah. the plant. I personally work on computers a lot and manage stuff because I'm, you know, an officer and in charge of the, the department, but yeah. you know, the folks that are working for me are tearing down engines, doing valve lashes, replacing uh, 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 cylinder heads, rocker arms, oil changes, you know, repairing gas turbines, wow. doing water washdowns, fuel oil uh, cleaning, uh, making water. You know, uh, uh, helping out with uh, preservation, exterior preservation, and the the science and technology that goes into just painting something, especially in a marine field, is very much an engineering kind of deal. Weld repairs, structure of the ship, the architecture of the ship, the design of the ship, all that stuff falls into the umbrella of, of naval engineering. Um, you know commercially you know as far as like the american society of naval engineering sort of definition of it and then also as the coast guard treats it and even the navy you know treats it in terms of what does a naval engineer encompass it's it's all that stuff to operate wow. maintain run right, and execute the mission uh, of the of the of the ship or the cutter for our sake and make sure the propellers are turning the lights stay on and the cold stuff yeah. stays cold and the hot stuff stays hot so
0: Um, talk about the overlap, you know, when I think about anything to do with one of these vessels, I feel like I, you know, would be lucky to find the, you know, the, the engine at all, let alone (laughs) figure anything out, but, but I'm sure there's actually quite a bit of overlap between the work, let's say like a, a welder or a fabricator, or even a commercial or residential electrician and the way they understand the materials and the processes, that it, it might actually, um, you know, fit fairly well. And you even described some people enter the Coast Guard with maybe uh, a skill or trade already like locked up and they just apply it there. So is a lot of the work on these ships stuff that, that you know, the common man would recognize in terms of how they're wired and plumbed and the, how the hydraulics work? Or is there is there a lot of technology that is kind of only in... Boats that you don't really see anywhere else.
1: The, the, yeah. Yes to bowl. So I would say generally speaking, absolutely. Like, you know, electrical stuff is, I mean, there are certain nuances of Marine shipboard, electrical stuff. A lot of it's, you know, a different voltage. Um, most of it's all, you know, like you know, three phase AC 440 volt. There's not a lot of two. Oh, wow. typically. Um, so Jeez. there's some, some nuances and differences there, but generally speaking, hmm. yeah, it's, it's all the same stuff. It's all, you know, um, you know, you have power coming from the generator into a switchboard into breaker panels, and then it goes out to everything else. Um, I would say the biggest thing probably for shipboard and marine engineering stuff is the, the hardening of systems and the shielding of systems is really important because there's so much stuff. I mean, Nate, miles and miles and miles of cabling and wiring and piping and everything packed into a very, very small space. So the design of those systems, the engineering of those systems, to use that term kind of broadly, is different, you know, than say building a house or a high-rise building or something yeah. like that. But the core functionality of those systems are, are still the same. Your critical building systems are critical sort of um, systems that that maintain that that building: HVAC, plumbing, sewer, supply water, electrical, you know, structure, etc. They're all essentially the same, just different nuances, obviously. We're not stick framing about, you know, we're welding and stuff, but, you know, the, the longitudinal supports, the transverse framings, the girders, the bulkheads, piers, posts, decks, et cetera, they all follow general, similar guidelines and principles of statics and dynamics and, um, you know, and how to structure things to, to work. There is stability and buoyancy that you have to consider, obviously, in a marine environment. So that adds a dynamic, everything's moving on a ship so so understanding you know writing arms center of gravity center of buoyancy um, writing moments etc all goes into calculation that aren't necessarily as prevalent in say a civil uh, domain because everything's Uh static you know you're building a building it's it's static except for maybe some earthquake loading or, or wind loading and stuff here and there but on a ship you're constantly moving so that center of gravity and stuff is always shifting and changing so that plays a big part in the design of the ship. It also plays a big part into where you place equipment. So you have it balanced correctly. You don't want everything on one side and vice versa. Oh, Otherwise you'll, right. you'll have some, some issues. So everything needs to be balanced. It needs to be segregated correctly. So if you have damage to one compartment, it doesn't impact the survivability of the ship and say another compartment. So we will separate mm. main propulsion engines so on the national security cutter for example our engines are separated into different compartments generators are separated into different compartments so that way if one thing fails it doesn't take out the ship right you can still operate oh, the boat it. yeah so those things yeah. are different the nuances of i think the design specific to the application are different but generally speaking you know electricity is electricity hydraulics are hydraulics yeah you know fleeting fuel is the same all that type of stuff um,
0: yeah um that the last boat you were on or maybe you can pick a boat you were on but um can you describe in terms of like ship operations let's say like that the last boat you're on or maybe one of the bigger ones there's a lot of people who all have their own job to do and from my point of view or a layperson, you just kind of think like well the boat's got a captain and the captain's in charge and then the first mate and da da da. but i'm sure there's a maybe you, you tell me like, what does the captain actually, he probably is not an engineer. In other words, you would probably have a a much better idea of what the ship is going through and, and, and needing. So maybe just talk about that. Some of these key roles in what keeps a ship operational, even in terms of on the land, like when a ship is out, does that ship have like a, I don't know. I I know like airplanes have a flight crew that's like assigned to that plane sort of, is that kind of how boats like this work? also or does it depend on the scale but talk about ship operations a little bit and how that all works
1: yeah that's a great question they, they do it's uh i'll try to maybe correlate it to like even like just being like a general contractor on a project you know so you have so there's yes. definitely a, a so I'll, so on the shore side like when a ship's in port or say in a dry dock which i worked in quite a bit repairing ships you definitely have a team of engineers that manage and execute that maintenance, and in the Coast Guard and even in the commercial field, they have um, what they call port engineers um, and, and uh, project managers and stuff like that. That they—that's what they do. They design the work lists and the projects and stuff that are going to be executed on the boat. So let's say you have to paint a certain area of the ship, or something needs to be fixed, or something's corroding. You have to sandblast it and preserve it, or you know maybe one of the radars is broken or whatever. All that stuff gets pushed into and, and sort of written down on a list because you can't just stop the ship. You're you're running it, and there's a lot of redundancy. That's another thing I mentioned too. There's a lot of redundancy in ship systems. In a house, you'll have one air conditioning unit, right? On a ship yeah. like the mm-hmm. Burtoff we were on, you know, we had three main air conditioning units and a bunch of other smaller oh. ones. So there's a lot of redundancy. Oh. We have multiple modes of propulsion, huh. multiple generators, et cetera. Because if you're out thousands of miles away from home and something fails, you got to keep the ship running, but you still need to fix that stuff. So it all goes on a list and it's managed. And then when you get into port, your port engineer, your project managers, your, your what we call the depot repair availability or depot repair program, rather, will collect all that stuff up, execute contracts, hire folks to come on board, order parts, equipment, et cetera, and fix all that stuff while you're in port. So that's kind of the shore side piece. And part of that also is taking the ship to dry dock on a recurring basis, take it out of the water, you know, clean the other side, preserve it, fix the propellers, all that, all that running gear stuff mm-hmm. that you have to do while the boat's out of the water. That's one side. Then out at sea underway, absolutely. There's a captain who's absolutely in charge. And that's kind of the cool thing out at sea is that that position has absolute authority, control, responsibility, and, and um, you know, duty to, to serve the interest of the, the ship's mission, it's true and make sure everything's safe and operating correctly. And that ab- that authority is absolute. And it, it's kind of an, a neat deal. It, it's really, you know, aspiring towards command and being in command is, is, a, is a neat thing. And then underneath that, you have your support staff, you have your executive officer, which is sort of like your deputy second in charge to keep running the day-to-day operations. And then you have your technical experts, myself, chief engineer, you have an operations officer um you'll have a which is in charge of you know where the boat's going what they're doing that type of stuff you'll have a a supply officer which is in charge of ordering all the materials equipment food etc you'll have you know a systems operations officer or a combat systems operation officer more specific to like military type vessels for the combat systems type stuff law enforcement elements etc on merchant ships you don't so much have that merchant ships are a little bit more simple It's captained and you have your your engineering department and then your deck department. Um, Mm -hmm. But essentially the the deck department drives the boat, runs the ship, handles the anchoring and maneuvering, mooring, all that type of stuff. And the engineers, you know, keep, keep the, uh, keep the shafts running and the lights on, so to speak. Um, So that's kind of how that's that's built
0: Yeah. That, that, that breaks it up. That makes sense. Kind
1: of like if you you're building a house, you know, if you're a general contractor You have a, you know, a framer, an electrician, a cement guy, uh, an excavator, you know, that type of thing. All those folks have different jobs that they do. They all report up to the GC to get the job done. All of us report, you know, directly up to the captain to get the job done on the ship, but we all have our unique positions and jobs that, that integrate with each other to get, to get everything accomplished and the boat sailing safely people are taken care of, they're fed, and and they're doing what they need to do.
0: Yeah. I've always felt, uh, as I've become an adult, you know, and thought more about career and all that, almost jealous of people and certainly military um, instances where there is a cut and dried mission. And I know maybe not every single mission is as cut and dry if it's just patrol these waters, but um, having a team like on a vessel say, we got to go find whatever this you know damaged ship and Oh my gosh, how cool to have just like this cut and dry mission and especially compared to the other branches of the military and you mentioned this when we started how the Coast Guard is 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 learning and preparing and then executing the very missions they prepared for as opposed to probably certain, you know, wings of the Navy that hopefully never have to execute a single mission ever for like centuries, ideally Uh, very cool that the coast guard not only has such cut and dry missions, but gets to, you know, implement them regularly. That's got, there's gotta be a level of, I don't know, satisfaction to sort of having those, those, those jobs to, you know, go after.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm obviously, you know, a little bit biased because I've, I've done my whole career in the coast guard. So I, you know, I love it and it's, it's been, been great to me, but that was one of the things that really drew me to it. I mean, you absolutely right. Like, our, you know, our, our other brothers and sisters and stuff in the other services, 100% needed and necessary for, for the nation. But you're right. You know, we we, we train and outfit and, and, and give those folks the tools and the resources they need to do their job in the hopes that we never, ever have to use them, you know, because that's the idea. But yeah. that's what I liked about the Coast Guard is that we train and get all the resources and tools we need to do what we got to do. We have a mission, a job, and we out, go out there and do it every day. We're saving lives every day. Every day there's somebody... You know, unfortunately, that, that needs our help either drowning in the water or a rescue out at sea. You know, enforcing mm-hmm. fisheries as a leave, as a living marine resource, protecting the ports uh, to ensure safety of commerce and uh, and and whatnot in our in our nation's ports. That's a it's a day to day mission that we're doing every day and executing, and it's it's great. I, I love it. You know, and that's that was something that drew me to this is our mission. This is what we're doing. Here are the tools yeah. that go do it, and it has a direct impact to the nation, which is uh, which is pretty neat.
0: Um, in terms of career, Coast Guard is not the first like branch of the military I think of. You know, you when you think of military, you think of, I don't know, like the Navy SEALs or SEAL Team 6. And in, in like the civilian world, the those, the most celebrity aspects of whatever field are making the most money because they're the, you know, the top of the, that perspective, um, you know, organization, at least optically. So my question is, in, in working for... The coast guard is it or really any arm of the service is it all more or less like you're you're in the services the retirement planning and package and the health care and all of it is kind of like the same you know ball of wax that you kind of you're involved with or are there reasons to that some person would go to the navy you know just career-wise and how much you make or is it related to risk or how how does that work with the Coast Guard? I'm wondering why more people don't sign up for the Coast Guard. It sounds more fun. Are there downsides? Do you you get like less career options or something? Or can you speak to that if someone's kicking this around?
1: Yeah, I mean, we all, so we're considered a military service. So we're under the Department of Homeland Security, but we we fall under the Department of Defense in in certain specific things. We operate under, not to bore with details, but Title 10 and Title 14 of the US code. So it kind of gives us broad authority to do a lot of things. There's a lot of flexibility in the Coast Guard. We are a small service. I mean, we definitely have a, a smaller, um, you know, position in the, in the overall Department of Defense and, and National Defense pie. Um, but we all get get paid the same. with public knowledge. You can go out there and just Google search, you know, military pay or whatever, and the pay charts are up there for anybody to look at.
0: Oh, I didn't know um, that. Cool.
1: Yeah. So you can see there are certain incentives, you know, out there. So like if you say are a pilot or you know <clears throat> doing something that's dangerous or going out to sea or whatever, there are incentives that, that the the Coast Guard or the military branches, and this is true for all the branches, will pay you extra yeah. to incentivize you to go, you know, you know, do X, Y, and Z. I'll that say from sense. my experience, it's a it's a combination of two things. One, I I certainly like the security and the support that working for the government provided. I, I have been incredibly blessed. Were the opportunities that it's given me both personally and professionally I mean I've received a ton of licenses uh, you know project management professional DHS level project management licenses mm-hmm. um, you know licensed merchant mar- mariner certificates and stuff um, and, and on and on in, in terms of engineering and whatnot that were provided to me you know master's levels of degrees in engineering and all that type of stuff provided for me directly from the Coast Guard. Um, so I, you know, and and in exchange for my service back to the nation. So the opportunities are tremendous. And on the enlisted side, whether you serve for, you know, four years in one contract or 20 plus years, um, you're earning a tangible skill. You're going to become a rated something in whatever it is you want to do. And that is great. Whether you stay in the service and keep doing good stuff, or you get out and do great stuff for your family and the nation or whatever, and then be an ambassador for the coast yeah. guard, you know, for everybody else that you're working with. So for me, it was obviously stability and, you know, a, a good paycheck right out of college. I had a job that was paying me a decent salary, no debt because I went to a, a, yeah. military, a military academy, but I just, I, I like the idea of serving and giving back for me. It was never always about hundred percent the money. Of course, you know, you need money to live, but
0: yeah.
1: I, I always learned or somebody told me once, you know, you'd, you need to pay people just enough so they're not really necessarily thinking about it or worrying about it. And then after that, how do you, how do you <laughs> yeah. motivate folks? And it's give them a job that matters. Give them something that they actually can get behind, work with great people so that they are empowering and inspiring. And that is worth more than you can pay me. I would take this job hands down, working with folks that I love to work with, You know, providing a, a benefit to the nation, doing all this great stuff for a a good salary. I mean, it's a, you can look it up. It's, it's a very livable paycheck, but I would take that over getting paid two, three times as much and being miserable working in some corporate whatever grind and not getting to do what I do. There's, there's more than just, just money. So that's what I liked about the, the military disservice is you're doing something bigger than just you.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And there's a certain point with any paycheck where It's like when your needs are met, you know, it's like, that's great. But there's just other, it's kind of what you're describing. There's, there's other aspects to career and having a fulfilled life. Like family Mm -hmm. would be one big category that you kind of need. Money would be one of those. Family would be one of those. But uh, I could, there's certainly other ones besides that also. And I could imagine that feeling of, I don't know, contributing. And like you said, giving back and performing valuable services. I can't. I can't imagine the feeling The and this is maybe only a small part of the Coast Guard, but over when we go to the coast, um, I see the, the helicopters kind of patrolling oh. up and down. And I know from, I see it in the paper from time to time, they are rescuing fishermen oh. whose boats <clears throat> break. And I, I can't imagine the feeling that would come with helping people in that kind of a way. And that's just in incus, that's just... You know right here up and down the southern oregon and so there's probably just a lot of value that that those you know those guys are there's there's
1: that's a that's a that's a pretty decent air station out there i think north bend coos bay oregon there and um yeah absolutely and and uh there's so many opportunities i mean there's even in the coast guard we're kind of cool we have a very active and and good reservist branch um fully volunteer, right? Really the reservists, really they get you know paid on drill weekends, but man, these are folks that are working regular jobs nine to five during the week or whatever they're doing, coming in on the weekends and, and doing their stuff. I mean, the dedication, the value that the reserves provide is just, I mean, I, 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 I'm i always in awe of them. I was like, you guys are, are true, true servants to the nation because they're not only doing their civilian job, but also yeah. then coming in on their off time and, and giving back. And then we also have a huge auxiliary contingent that is truly a hundred percent a volunteer workforce to augment the coast guard. And they do a lot of, uh, um, lake operations for us and, uh, and, uh, uh, safety boardings and things. And it's, it's like a big family at the coast guard, a very, you know, kind yeah. of team, team spirit, which is sort of a neat thing, but you're right down at Coos Bay, Oregon and in, in North bend there and stuff. I mean, they're, they're out there flying around and saving people every single day. They're, they're doing their job and it, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and the, the, you see their boats from time to time. My father-in-law um, was uh, he was fishing on the Columbia River, and my brother-in-law actually they had boats, so they they were kind of out there. And I would see the Coast Guard boats from time to time, and they're just a, it's like all military equipment. Like when you're up next to it and you see it, it's like whoa, this is this is really cool. Those boats are yeah. amazing, and I, I can't I, I don't know what class or which cutter it was, but <laughs> it's something else than like the civilian. Um, equipment and the just really beautiful stuff, which actually leads me to my next question. And this will be a two-parter, but number one, um, do you, do you have a boat? Are you like boating on the weekends or you kind of have your fill or is it, nothing even holds a candle after being a part of these number one and number two, what, what are you working on? Like day to day, like, you know, with your job now, you're not on a boat, you know, right now, the second, what are you working on regularly and what, what is the career like for you at this moment?
1: No, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I don't own a boat. I, I've heard, you know, I want I, I, to I can't afford it, they're just super expensive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what do they say that the, you know, the day you buy it and the day you sell it are like the two best days when you, when you buy a boat for yeah. your own use or something like that. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, I'll that uh, if I go out with the family or whatever, we'll, we'll just rent, you know, rent a boat to go fishing or, <clears throat> you know, help a friend out or whatever, and, and kind of go out as a, as a group or whatever. Um, so, so no, I don't, I don't own a boat, but I, I love, I love the water. I mean, I, when I was up in Alaska on a up there, I mean, that's just some of the most beautiful country I think, you know, that mm-hmm. there is out there. It's just amazing. Um, so I, I really enjoy being on the water and fishing and just exploring different things and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, right now, no, as you can see, I'm, you know, in an office building here, I'm, I work for, uh, a uh, Coast Guard sector right now. So it's specifically sector Virginia here in, uh, in, in Portsmouth, Virginia. So that's one thing that's kind of cool about the military services as well is you're not uh, always stagnant in one job. You move around a lot. Um, you know, every three or four years, you're changing jobs, which helps keep things fresh. It helps you moving up in the organization, getting a lot of good opportunities to see different things, gain different qualifications, experiences, etc. cetera. Um, so right now I am, the logistics officer um, for Sector Virginia. So I do everything in terms of kind of like a lot of human resource stuff um, for for Sector Virginia, including engineering, administrative type work, military justice mm-hmm. and disciplinary matters for folks that maybe you know get a little uh, get a little off track you know with, with where they're supposed to be, and then also a lot of family advocacy stuff and helping folks out. That are in trouble or need needs. So it's very much a, it's outside of my comfort zone. It's outside of my normal sort of what I'm trained to do in the Coast Guard. But the Coast wow. Guard likes to do that. And you know, military services in general like to do that. They try to what they call broaden your experience, especially as you get more senior uh, up in the ranks. Like wow. you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a Commander 05 now. And to get more broad experience, to, to gain better perspective on what's going on at the enterprise level in the organization, they like to have you go into positions that sort of maybe expose you to things that, not are, that are not your bread and butter day to day, working in a dry dock, fixing boats, project management type stuff. They try to get you into wow. different things you can learn that. So that's what I'm doing now, uh, the logistics officer for wow. uh, Virginia.
0: What, what's the family advocacy aspect? Is that like for other service members who are just having you know family needs, you're kind of assisting in that way or is, it, is that something else?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, one of the great things about the the military services and stuff too, is there are so many resources for those that, you know, are in need. We, we recognize that this is a, this is a a challenging job. It's a rewarding job, but, but it's challenging. And that challenge can sometimes go, you know, to the families and stuff. So there's a lot of support services out there for folks, whether it be, Mm. you know, budget planning, finance type stuff, um, you know, stuff, resources for your children, counseling sessions or whatever, so we help get people lined up with those resources as they need them to ensure that they have the tools to be a, a ready workforce, so to speak, and, and ready to go. Because in order for you to do your job here in the office or out at sea or doing whatever you're doing, you know, your mind's got to be yeah. right. Stuff's got to be straight. And, and we want you to make sure that that's that's good to go on the home front as well. So there's a ton of really phenomenal professionals that, that provide those resources. And we in my job kind of help act as the conduit for that for the 600 or 700 or so folks that we have working for us here. Um, if they need those services.
0: Wow. And that is just, this, this is really interesting. And you know, if you haven't been involved with the military or even working for the, the government in some way, like, like my career, I just have no context. It's like all of these things you're describing, like even you said every few years, they put you somewhere to learn something new. Um, myself and a lot of people in their career feel that same need where they want to like do something new. They're kind of ready. Like I can't do this one more day. It'd be nice. Not I've been fortunate to be able to kind of transition my career from time to time. But I know there's some guys out there. I've met several who've been, you know, setting toilets for 17 years and they're going to set a toilet like every day for the next, you know, 17 years and uh, pretty neat. Or, Or like the family needs, like you said, helping families and, understand budgeting and all these things that that that's really important in on the civilian level as well except there's not as many resources or good advice at least being handed to people you know unless they go looking for it I guess there, there's yeah, I mean, resources it, but it's
1: like I I mean I'll, I'll admit I, I joined I mean I, I graduated high school in I think 2000 <clears throat> graduated King's Point in 2004 so I've been in just around 18 years now and, uh, yeah, you hmm. know, my, my initial obligation to the government was a, was a five-year deal. Actually it was less than that. It was a three-year thing because of how I came in. And I admit, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll do this for a few years or whatever. And then, you know, right in that time frame, you know, 2007, 2008, you know, the economy took a big dive we all know right. what happened then. So I was like, well, you know, maybe this wouldn't be so great. I was, you know, just met my, you know, my wife and, you know, talking about having kids and stuff. So it was like, Hey, maybe this is a, this is a good deal. And, you know you know, you move around a lot. There's a lot of, you know, the government asks, you know, you know, from you to be an equal participant, show up and do your job, but boy, they give you a ton of stuff too. I mean, they, you know, uh, you always have a job, healthcare, all these resources that are provided. It's like, you know what, this is actually a pretty good deal. A lot of opportunity for upward mobility, you know, if you perform and do yeah. your job and stuff, a lot of certifications, a lot of great, great op- education opportunities. Um, so anybody that's thinking about it or doesn't know you know, quite what to do, like I, I'm graduating high school. I, I knew I wanted to serve, but, um, you know, not knowing what you want to do, man, it's a, it, it's kind of a neat thing. And, and, you know, you only, you don't have to serve forever. You can serve just for a little bit, get a skill, kind of figure things out and then go out and, and do some great stuff. But, but man, it, they give you a lot of great resources to, to be prepared to do your job. And it's, uh, and I've just yeah. loved engineering and I've had, I mean, I've been able to travel the world from Bahrain to Guam to everywhere in between and, uh, you know, the Middle East and stuff doing shipboard repair and, and met people. They had experiences in dry dock, seen stuff, done things that I would never have done if I would have just stayed in Utah wow. or, or done locally. And, and, and you're just never going to get that experience really anywhere else except for usually joining some kind of service organization, whether it's the Peace Corps, NOAA, military, yes. Whatever it is, uh, the opportunities are, yeah, are really some really
0: organization. Great. Yeah. So, are you able to walk on more or less any like ship or vessel and kind of understand it right away? You know, I went on a there's there used to be this submarine in uh, Portland. I think it was called the mm-hmm. Blue Bill, and you could like tour it. I know submarines a different thing, but still, it was pretty old, and it's just wild in there. You know, just like pipes and valves in every <laughs> nook and cranny, and I'm sure every. Yeah submarines different and I know boats are like that a little bit too where when you walk in them you just kind of you don't get it I'm sure the ones you were on you kind of could work them with your eyes closed but do you have like a can you kind of step onto any vessel and more or less like understand it are are they all kind of built off the same like with the same language and the same mm-hmm. I don't know basic fundamentals or are there like some vessels that I don't know the Germans make that are totally different in in their like uh, foundational engineering than what than what we do.
1: Uh I would say generally speaking yes, they're all they're all built to the same general like naval architecture and marine engineering type standards, I would say. Um there are different types of vessels out there. There's, you know, there's uh, there's uh, you know, uh trimorans, you know, uh, uh, and stuff. There are single hole mono hull vessels, there's obviously sailing ships and all kinds of different stuff, but they all fundamentally have to satisfy the uh, the requirements of, um, uh, of ship structure, stability, and all that type of stuff. And, uh, um, so that's, <clears throat> you know, that, that fundamentally is, is the same regardless of what vessel. And yeah, I could, it, it's like old hat for me. Cause I've been doing it my whole life. Just like, I'm sure if your dad were to go on a, you know, a construction site and see roof rafters and stuff, it's just, you know, like second, second language. Um, but it can be a little intimidating and, and overwhelming at times, especially, I always found going on ships just how compartmentalized they can be. You know, you'll be going down a path, and it's like, where is this going? I have no idea where I am. Am I painted, uh, pointed forward yeah. or aft, or <laughs> what's left, what's right, what's port, what's starboard? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they all, you know, they all, they all have to um, be stable, be structured in the same way, and and they, um, you know, they all have a bow, they all have a stern. Now, there's different, you know, design criteria that you'll use based off of what the ship is doing or what it's supposed to be doing. Um, with regards to like, is it a, is it a military combatant? Is it a merchant ship? Is it calling? Is it a supply vessel? Is it a first mm-hmm. fishing ship? Whatever. Those will, de- those will drive different design elements. What kind of propulsion do you need? Do I need to go fast or do I need to go slow for a long period of time? Or, you know, things yeah. like that will, will determine what you do.
0: Jeff, this has been just really interesting and cool. And We're actually the same age. I graduated high school the year 2000 as well. And so this is really neat for me to just kind of, it's like a window into like another path I feel like I could have and might have taken it had I, I don't know, it had I had things gone a different way. And uh, that's really neat. And I I hope there's people listening maybe younger who, or maybe not even super young, like you said, you can enter it later in life. But it just really sounds like... um, there's just more to it than you think, you know, and that you, you kind of boil, can boil the military service down to this simple idea, but that's, that's not at all what this is sounding like from, you know, my point of view here.
1: Yeah. There, there's opportunities abound. And, and I would say I, I'm blessed. I'm fortunate. I mean that, I mean, I, I mean, when I was accepted to the Merchant Marine Academy, I, I was barely made it on the last alternate list, you know, in the May timeframe yeah. and I, I was going to be going to the university of Utah and studying, you know, who knows what. And and, who knows where my life would have led, but it's just these different forks in the road that kind of take you in different directions are kind of neat to think about. And uh, I I just think, you know, overall, if if you're just in life, if you're just an active participant, show up. My dad always said, if you just he said, Jeff, if you if you show up or an active participant and uh, doing your best every day, you're going to be ahead of 80, 90 percent of the folks that are out there. And I've always just kind of took that into whatever I did, whether that's in the military or you're working in the trades or you're a, you know, healthcare provider or whatever it is um, that attitude will take you a long, long ways. And there's, there's opportunities abound in a, and a bunch of different stuff, but boy, the, the military has been good, especially the coast guard has, you know, its mission aligns with my core values, what I kind of hold dear. And the opportunity has been great Worked with some tremendous people and boy, the experiences traveling the world, working on ships as an engineer in dry docks, fixing stuff, getting my hands dirty. Couldn't ask for more than that.
0: Hey, maybe my last question, and I should have prepped you on this so you could think about it. But have you? Is there one person or situation or something that comes to mind of a person in the Coast Guard, you know, some dry dock somewhere, where who just had skills for days? Maybe it was just pressure washing, some aspect of craftsmanship that you feel like, man, the the Coast Guard really has this down to a science. People don't realize it, but and maybe it's one person, or maybe it's a whole. Department somewhere, but have there been? Is there somewhere you can remember in your career where you feel like you just saw some craftsmanship that was just next level happening?
1: Yeah, I, I had a uh, yes. I mean, uh, there's many, many to mention, but one specifically that <clears throat> is uh, the industrial. We had an industrial department uh, up there in uh, Ketchikan, Alaska, and it was kind of a they were so far out at the end of the, lo- the logistics chain there. That they had to do a lot of stuff kind of on their own. They had their own dry dock there. It was a marine railway. We would fix smaller boats, the one ten patrol craft. But that whole industrial department there, specifically uh, Dennis Diamond and his staff and stuff there, were just phenomenal. I I learned. I mean, they taught you know they taught me so much about naval engineering, project management, just even managing and motivating people, and how to work with mm-hmm. folks in the trades. And those guys could do anything. I mean, Dennis diamond, and his crew of planners and pipe fitters, and machinists and welders and painters, and you name it. I mean, we would take boats in there that Nate were were broken hard, like would fall off a big 30, 40 foot waves, be bent, twisted, out of alignment. Mm. They'd slice those things up like skilled surgeons, stitch them back together again. And they'd be sailing out of their brand, you know, brand new. And I would go up there and just be in awe of what they did. And it was, it was a, a neat combination of not only very skilled tradesmen that knew what they were doing and were professional in their craft and, and, and at the top of their game, but the, the mixture of folks that enjoyed what they were doing, loved coming to work, had great leadership from above, were motivated and empowered to make decisions and <clears throat> do the best that they could do and then were properly rewarded and taken care of at the end of the day. It was a really neat ecosystem that they had up there. And still have up there to to do the job that they need to do. And boy, Dennis Diamond was is he's one of the absolute most influential. I've had a lot of mentors, but one of the most influential mentors in my life and teaching me how to, you know, work on ships, repair stuff, and then just just be a good person and 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 stuff. So he he comes to mind certainly as somebody that was very instrumental in my career at at an early phase in my career too. And it was a pleasure working with him up there. Wow,
0: that is. That's exactly what I was hoping for. Well, salute to him. I and mean, I'm sure there's a lot of, there's probably a big list of people just like you who have been impacted by that shop and the work. And I'm sure the people directly under him would could sing his praises all day. That is really cool. Something about being like far away, end of the line is especially impressive where there's like, there's nobody you can call for help. There's no like, you know, bigger shop that can roll the town. It's like, no, we're gonna fix this. It's, there's no other option that, I really appreciate it adds a little more like um magic to like you know fixing something that's broken when you know you got you you don't have another option
1: yeah absolutely those guys would i mean they'd come up with stuff and you know we, you, you kind of just have the tools you got and the parts you have at hand and be like well yeah this isn't exactly what we do if we could go to you know the store or whatever and get what we <laughs> need but right if I have bought a fire like this and do that and kind of change it here, I can make it work. And, you know, they would invent stuff and design things. And I like what I would call tremendous field feel in the field level engineering to, to yes. develop things and create solutions that got the boat fixed on time, on budget and out there doing the mission safely for those folks that are sailing it.
0: Amazing. Well, is there anywhere we can link to, like you have a LinkedIn or a Instagram or any account we can link to if somebody really needs to get in touch with you or, get uh, you a message about anything that we can direct our audience towards.
1: But I would say um, go gocoastguard.com If folks are interested in joining, um, I'm a little sensitive to just maybe blasting my personal email out there to
0: yeah.
1: <clears throat> you know, the world, but, uh, but go, go I would say if folks are interested in learning about yeah. the coast guard, how to join, what opportunities are available to you is your best resource. And then any any Coast Guard recruiting office, if you're interested in joining or learning more about and then they can help guide you too towards the federal service academies and learning about that stuff. And honestly, with the Internet now, I mean, you could just Google search or DuckDuckGo anything yeah. you want and, and find out all that stuff. Um, and, and but our recruiters out in the field are really the ones that can help guide you into uh, getting what you need and finding the information that, that you want for what opportunities might be available to you. Um, you know, in the in the services um, and whatnot.
0: Yeah, beautiful. All right, Jeff. Well, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks for being a part of our Essential Craftsman Academy. We've seen you on Shop Talk a time or two, and I'm sure we'll see you again one of these days. But very much appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your your career. And I, I, it's funny for a guy like you. You probably think it's just like you know another Friday or whatever. But it's just this whole world that I don't think about. I don't know anything about and it's just re- always I just really appreciate any time like you can it's like we hearing something from an expert you know it's like it's just different hearing it from that person than, you know going to even to the website you like see some nice flashy pictures you see some of that but it really means a lot more when you hear it from someone who's been there done that so many thanks
1: yeah and thanks to you guys nate appreciate the opportunity to be on and uh and very much enjoyed speaking with you today thank you